welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner, and with Kristen Chase, I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPicks.com. Kristen is out today, but I will be talking with another cool mom, Nina Rastari, a longtime friend of the pod. Can I say friend of the pod? The founder and president of Mom Agenda and the author of the brand new book, Overcoming the Mom Life Crisis, which we will be talking about today. And as always, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. We're going to be right back with Nina right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus, and I am so excited to welcome them back because, as some of you may know, we've been doing something really cool with them lately. Since so many of us have been missing the people we love in our lives these days, and we've lost a whole year of shared experiences that allow us to connect, we created something called the We Time Project. It's just an opportunity for you to join up with a friend, a long-distance family member, even someone in your own household to create a shared experience through learning. And what's really cool is our listeners are going to get 30 days of unlimited online on-demand courses free through The Great Courses Plus. And there's a lot you can choose to do together. If you visit bit.ly, that's bit.ly slash project and register, you'll get 30 days free and you can see all the cool stuff there is. So Kristen and I learned container gardening together earlier this spring. In honor of Mother's Day, my mom and I took a course in the secrets of unlocking your memory. And you can still see us talking about that on video on the Cool Mom Big Space Facebook page. There's really so much cool stuff on there. Yoga, money management, you can learn a foreign language, a new craft, a hobby, take bartending, take a cooking course. And actually, Kristen is going to be taking a course next week with her own Japanophile daughter on Japan, which is a cool way for them to learn together and connect around something her daughter is passionate about. So learn more at coolmompics.com or the Spawn Facebook community on Facebook, obviously. And you can sign up for free and create your own We Time project with people in your life just by logging on to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash we time project. That's we, like you and I, we, we time project. And you'll get those 30 days free of totally unlimited courses from The Great Courses Plus. So let me tell you a little bit about our awesome guest today. Nina Rasteri is someone I actually met nearly 15 years ago when we started Cool Mom Picks. I knew her as the founder then of Mom Agenda, which was a very cool and successful company making home organizers, planners, and journals built around mom's busy multitasking lives. You may even own one yourself because they're that awesome and ubiquitous. And since then, she's been featured on NBC's Today Show, The Early Show, Real Simple, Better Homes and Gardens, The New York Times, talking about building her amazing company, which she started actually when her kids were seven and then three under five. So she had four kids really young. Actually, I don't know if you remember this, Nina, but we were almost on Montel Williams together. <laughs> but that's a whole other story. Oh my well, now it's 15 years later and she's just authored the book, Overcoming the Mom Life Crisis, Ditch the Guilt, Put Yourself on the To-Do List and Create a Life You Love. It's really a heartfelt, honest, and very helpful book to remind you to put on your own proverbial oxygen mask first as a mom. And she's got tons of tips to help you recenter yourself in your own life, which I hope we'll talk about today. So welcome, Nina. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm so glad. I miss you. You're like one of those people 
I miss in person. Do you remember that we were almost on Montel Williams together? Oh, I do remember. And uh, <laughs> that was an interesting <laughs> afternoon. That was a very interesting time. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I wasn't really on it. You weren't really on. Anyway, it kind of worked out for the best. But yeah, that was that was a long time ago. My God, I didn't even remember it actually until I knew you were coming on. And then it just kind of spurred all these memories. I remember you wrote a fabulous blog post afterwards. That's the, the clearest memory I have. You wrote a really <laughs> fun blog About post. meeting Robin Givens. And, yes. Yeah. And her cheekbones. <laughs> <laughs> she had amazing cheekbones. I remember that. She really did. Yes. So yes. listen, I've got to say, the book is fantastic. It's really helpful. Thank you. We talk to a lot of authors here who write a lot of books for moms, right? And this is not just like another book about how we can't do it all. I think it really goes deeper than that. I was really moved right from the beginning. You wrote, I'm sharing my journey with you because I don't want you to experience what I went through. I don't want you hiding from your spouse and kids crying under the covers. And I thought right off the bat, wow, this is going to be different. This is not going to be like how I'm awesome and you can be awesome too. (laughs) I like the way you put that. Thank you. (laughs) And you know, it's funny. I assume that when you wrote it, it would be about building your business. So I really was surprised, pleasantly surprised when I realized it was more about building or rebuilding yourself. And it's it's not Pollyanna-ish. You're pretty brutal upfront describing your situation. You know, we've talked a lot here about how sometimes we see these super successful women on Instagram. They seem like they have it all together. And you wrote publicly and on paper, I was a great mom, a loving wife, an overachieving mom entrepreneur. Behind that mask, I'd become a high-functioning mess, perpetually overwhelmed, sad, and anxious. And you write really honestly about relying on Xanax and too much wine and overeating and troubles in your marriage. It sounds like you became slightly agoraphobic. You were avoiding airplanes. Like, things were pretty bad, weren't they? It was as bad as it sounds. I mean, I think that when you're writing, it's more powerful if you can really be as authentic as you can be. So I tried to really tell the truth and tell it like it really was. That was how it was. I was overweight. I was scared all the time. I didn't want to go on trips. I didn't want to go on planes. I didn't want to go to the city. It was bad. And I was raised in a household where you never said things are bad. You always said, I'm fine. I'm fine. So it was very hard for me to admit it was bad. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's for a lot of people. And you talked a little bit about kind of having the Catholic background that might have led to that. I had the Jewish mom guilt, you know, we've all all got stuff that lead us to be (laughs) who we are. It's the same thing, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you start to get out of it? Like, what was the first thing you did when it hit you? Like, okay, I'm hitting the bottom. I need to get out of this. Um, Really, the first thing was finding a really awesome therapist who was older than me and she was just like the right fit for me. Mm. She got it. She was a mom also, but much older, like I said, and committing to that, going every week and committing to really kind of excavating the process of how I got to this point and what choices I could make differently to get out of it. You know, I also thought it was interesting when you went to an acupuncturist. I've also been to acupuncturists who I find phenomenal if you find someone good. And I like that he told you to examine what wasn't working in your life and that you had to either change it or accept it. Right. And at the time, it, I wasn't really ready to hear that. You know, it was like, well, I, I can't change it and I can't accept it. <laughs> I was really, I was clinically depressed. So I was in that place where you're kind of at the bottom of a well and you don't see your way out, unfortunately. It was tough. And so you put the book together for women like you and moms like you 
who maybe have hit that point or you just don't want them to get to that point? I don't want them to get to that point. But, you know, there's a spectrum of mom life crisis. We all have some of it. You know, we all hit a certain point where we can't take it anymore. So I wanted to provide tools for really every mom, but especially the moms who have it pretty bad. And I like that you do have like a lot of tools because it's not just a memoir. It's not just about your experience, but you give so much actionable stuff and we'll get to some of those. There's so much in here. Obviously, we're not going to cover all of it. I just wanted to highlight a few things that I really thought were helpful and that I identified with as someone who also feels a lot of the stuff you have and probably like a lot of our listeners. (laughs) Like we all have this at some point to various degrees, but I was struck by your observation that all your thoughts were around duty and obligation and that you put the word should in front of everything. You know, that's one of those things I read and I thought, you know, I haven't read that anywhere else before. That you talked about, I should have the salad instead. I really should volunteer for the bake sale. I really should be going to the gym more. I really should spend more time with my kids. Like all these shoulds come from this externally based worldview, right? The expectations of moms. So talk to me about how we figure out which of the shoulds in our head are are healthy, which are unhealthy, and what we do about them. Well, the thing about shoulds, in my opinion, I think shoulds are made up stories. And I really think we should all just eliminate that word from our vocabulary. Like forget about should, because there's nothing productive about it. It's a made up story. It's something you're telling yourself that may or may not be true, but it's not empowering. It's just making you smaller. So what I suggest people do is when they're feeling the shoulds say, okay, is there actually data on this? Is there, is there like research or science that says that I should do this, honestly. Because in most cases, there isn't. In most cases, you're really just telling yourself a story and you can tell yourself a different story. Mm. Are you a better mom if you stay in with your kids every night and never go out? No, there's no science on that. There's no data on that. Actually, the science says that moms who experience love and social connections with other people are happier and better moms. So stop telling yourself those things that are just making your life smaller. That's kind of what I'm saying. And I like that you also point out that there are some healthy things too. Like you may be working so much and think I should really be giving my kids more time and maybe it's possible that you should or that you'd be happier if you could do that and find that time. Absolutely. The most important thing with getting rid of the shoulds is asking yourself what you really want because Mm. that's really the question. It's not should I or shouldn't I? It's what do I want? And what's the best way to get that? Versus what's expected of me. Exactly. Should I have the salad or the cheeseburger? Well, what do I really want? I want the cheeseburger. As do I. <laughs> Always. <laughs> but there are times that I think, but I want to stay on Weight Watchers and I want to like continue my commitment to my health. And so I will pass on the cheeseburger for now, maybe another time. You know, sometimes what you really want is to stick to your eating plan. Sometimes what you really want is a treat. It's different each time. But if you ask yourself, what do I really want? It's so much more empowering. So you can make a decision that's right for you in that moment. I love that. And it's interesting because you also tie the eating and the treats and stuff into this idea of self-care. And we've talked about that a lot lately. I know there's been a lot of discussion about self-care in general because of the pandemic and what parents have been going through and moms especially. And we had an amazing conversation with Dr. Christine Mm Coe earlier this year, and she came up with this theory about protective care versus restorative care. And you similarly break down self-care in your own way. You talk about how putting yourself on your own to-do list requires more change than a manicure or like the kinds of things we might consider (laughs) self-care, right? But you talk about it differently. So tell me a little bit about your perspective on self-care and also the six pillars of self-care, which I found fascinating. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I've talked about self-care in terms of go for a walk with a friend or go get a manicure or whatever. I think those things are tactical. Whereas if you take a strategic approach, then it's going to be a lot more effective because a manicure, it's fun in the moment. Sure, it's self-care for like half an hour and then you're back to your normal life. Whereas if you take a strategic approach, it's all encompassing and it's your whole life. For me, the pillars of self-care are the fundamentals like sleep. I don't think we talk enough about sleep. We need to sleep. If we don't, it is very bad for our health, for our mood, for our marriage, etc. I think that's another thing moms feel guilty about because we don't get enough sleep. And especially if you've got really little kids, you're like, oh, I know I'm supposed to get more sleep. I know it's terrible for me. What am I supposed to do about it? So I think that's one of those things we beat ourselves up about. We, we do. And I think there is a reality that when the kids are little, you don't sleep that much. But it's something to aspire to and something to recognize it's important and get it when you can. Food and drink, making choices that make you feel good. I used to drink a lot. And I kind of realized that it wasn't benefiting me, not just physically, but also in my personal life. It wasn't good for me. So for me, self-care is stopping after one drink or, you know, maybe two if I'm really feeling fun. <laughs> exercise, you know, movement rather than exercise because it doesn't have to be quote exercise. It's just moving your body around. Yeah, I get that super joyous feeling when I've hit my stand goal on my Apple Watch. <laughs> I may not have done a yoga routine for like three weeks, but I'm like, I stood up 10 times today. Right. <laughs> and actually, that's something. Yeah, you don't have to go to a gym or a studio to move your body in a way that benefits you. Even going for a walk. It's not just good for your body. It's good for your mind and your relationships. You can't be your best self if you're just sitting on your couch all the time. Like it's just a fact. Social connections, you know, connecting with people who you love. We are not meant to be isolated creatures. We are meant to connect with each other. So prioritizing that. And the, the one that I had the hardest time with is self-compassion, mm. being kind to yourself. I think that is absolutely fundamental. And it's something that moms, I think we all struggle with. We are so hard on ourselves and it's not good for anybody. It doesn't make you a better mom if you're hard on yourself. You know, it just makes you upset. So stop it. Like, be nice to yourself. <laughs> Tough love. <laughs> I like that. You know, I, I read a year or two ago Angela Santomero's book, Radical Kindness, and she talks about radical kindness to others, and she kind of goes through the circles of it, and one is radical kindness to yourself. And she was the first person who made me think about, like, hygiene, taking a shower every day, or these days, you know, every couple, every three days. <laughs> I'm not going out that much. <laughs> or, you know, brushing your teeth every day, or stretching in the morning, that these are acts of self-love. And I thought, that's really good. Like, getting a manicure is not self-love. If you can get a manicure, but you can't get it together to, like, take a shower or contact your friends, like you're saying, like, make connections, have a date night, or have a night out with your girlfriends, you're, you're not loving yourself. You're not giving back to yourself. And so I really respond to that in your book as well. You had this really great line that you said, self-care is knowing you matter and making choices every day that ensure you're at your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual best. I was like, boom, put that on a t-shirt, Nina. <laughs> Thank you. And to your point, manicures don't fit in with that. The quick fixes are fun, but 
they're not helping you to be your best self. And that's why I want moms to focus on sleep and, you know, the things that actually make a difference in how you feel each day. And I think it's not to say that manicures are bad, but maybe what you really need is I need a half day to myself each week. You know, I need every Sunday morning, just me, no kids to go out and do whatever. And maybe that's manicures, maybe that's not. But that you're planning it, right? Like you were saying, you're strategically using that self-care time as opposed to just kind of putting a Band-Aid on it. And knowing that it's not selfish to do that, that every Everyone benefits, not just you. Your whole family benefits from you taking care of yourself in that way. Amen. That's great. That's <laughs> so good to remember. And you know, another thing I liked was you had a whole chapter about permission, which I think that's so hard for moms. I mean, I think it's hard for a lot of us in general, but just moms especially. And you wrote that giving yourself permission is really advocating for yourself and saying, I'm important enough to merit some consideration in this family. And I was like, Ooh, that kind of like punched me in the gut a little bit. So (laughs) one of the exercises you had in the book was creating your own self-care permission slip. It's genius. Can you tell us like what that is and how you might do it? I think it's first of all, thinking about where your needs aren't being met in your life and giving yourself permission to meet them, saying it's okay. It's actually okay for me to take the time to make myself a healthy meal, even if the kids only want chicken nuggets and french fries, you know? And I think maybe even more important is to think about the commitments that you've made that are no longer serving you and to give yourself permission to let go of those commitments. I talk in the book about when I tried to build a content-based website, which as you know, is quite an undertaking. Yeah, it's a little work. Um, It's a little (laughs) bit of work. And I thought this was going to be something I did in addition to running mom agenda and having four kids. And at some point I said to myself, I I can't do this and I have permission to quit. Like, I, I don't have to do this just because I thought it was a good idea at first. And I gave myself permission to stop and oh my gosh, it was such a weight off my shoulders. I was so much happier after that. You're like One business is enough. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I hadn't thought about it quite that way, but for someone who is a successful entrepreneur, I think it's hard not to like expand or that once you've expanded, it's hard to say, actually, you know what? I don't need to go in this direction. I'm going to go back to my core competencies or I'm going to go back to, you know, what makes me happy or what's successful or where my heart really is. Yeah. Part of self-care for me was making choices with regard to my business where I could stay in control of my parenting. And um, Mom Agenda probably could have gotten a lot bigger, but I wanted to put being a mom first. And I have no regrets about that at all. And it made me a happier person and probably better at running my business. Yes. I think there's so much pressure for everything to be like uber successful. You know, I was at a point in my life once where I had like a really amazing career opportunity. My kids were really little and I was doing the site and I couldn't do everything and I was overwhelmed, but I really was like in a financial bind and I needed to make the money and I needed something steady and I couldn't figure out what to do. And I thought, I don't know, on one hand, I could do certain things with my website to take it to the next level. On the other hand, I think I really need the stability and I'm freaking out. And a good friend of mine said, listen, there's times to take care of your family and times to take care of your business and times to write and there's times for different things. And if the universe is telling you this is a time to take this job so you can take care of your family, do it and don't look back. Mm. And actually, it was great advice. And sometimes I do look back a little and I think, you know, like what could have happened? Where could I have gone? Did I give something up? But on the other hand, like, I I don't know, you always give something up and gain something else, right? right? And like, I had to do what I had to do and I did it. And these days, don't you find like everything is supposed to be a hustle or a side hustle? 
hustle and every hobby is supposed to be monetized. Like there's a lot of pressure for us to do so much. I agree. And it's such a sigh of relief to give yourself permission to say, actually, that might not be right for me. And it's okay. I still think I'm awesome. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make me any less of a successful entrepreneur if I turn down certain opportunities. And you even give great tips. Like I know it's really tough for women, not just moms, to say no. It's tough for a lot of people to say no. And you actually gave excellent starters for saying no, like how to say no when you just don't want to do something, can't do something, don't have the bandwidth, not interested, whatever reason, like ways to do it. And I I loved that. I thought that was really helpful because sometimes you just need a script. Right? You know, they say you teach what you need to learn. <laughs> so I wrote those scripts for myself, really, and realized everyone needs them. Yeah. It was reassuring to me because that's been one of my things I've had to do over the last year is thank you so much for thinking me. I just don't have the bandwidth right now. Or yes, I would love to read your new novel, but I have to warn you, I have a stack of 35 novels, no joke, next to my bed from friends who also have sent them to me and yours will go at the bottom of the pile, but I'll get to it one day. So you choose whether to send it to me or not. And I feel better because if I just say yes, then I feel guilty and then I have done it yet. And now I'm like stressed out and feeling guilty about a book that I will never get to. And there's no reason to put myself through that. It's really about <laughs> setting boundaries. And I think the way I was raised, it was rude to say no to anybody. Mm. So for me, writing a script was super important so that I could figure out a way to say no that felt comfortable and didn't feel like I was being mean. Because really internally, I still to this day, I feel like I'm being mean when I say no to somebody. Hmm. Even though I know I've done so much work on this, I know that boundaries are really important for good relationships and a happy life. It's just not how I was raised. So it's something I've had to learn as an adult, which is never going to come naturally, which stinks. But the more you do it, the more it becomes more comfortable. You get better at it. Yeah. For me, I just see myself as a helper. I want to help everybody. I actually don't want to say no. For me, it's not about being mean. I legitimately want to help every single person who comes to me and asks for help. And I realized back to your point and the subtitle of your book, I was not putting myself on my own to-do list. I was always coming last because because I had this list of eight zillion people who needed something from me. And I just had to prioritize. And then, you know, it's tough. Like you said, it's like a muscle. You have to kind of work until you get better at it. But I had to keep telling myself I'm not a bad friend if I can't do everything. I'm not like a bad member of the community of women and moms if I can't support every single woman's group that a friend of mine has started and, you know, they need somebody. There's just so much out there and I only have so much time. And, you know, I think a lot of that has come to a head over the past year in the pandemic where our kids have needed us more for a lot of us and, you know, we're with them mm -hmm. more and we just didn't have as much to give to everyone else. Have you noticed changes? Like, is there anything you would have written differently in the book now post pandemic or, you know, as we crawl out of it optimistically? Um, well, probably. I mean, everything's changed so much. I think that what I write about in my book is a hundred times more true in a pandemic than it is during regular life. You know, like yeah. some people have said to me, oh, well, self-care really went out the window with the pandemic. But I think it's even more important to try to get your sleep and try to take care of yourself and say no to people and prioritize and really think about what's important to you. I think it's more important than ever because 
our mental health is so fragile during this time. And I would actually add maybe just like a slight twist in what you said, that while we still have to prioritize self-care as we're coming out of this, I think it's just maybe what constitutes self-care has changed a little bit. You know, like maybe you do need to eat the cookie just to get through this night. And that's okay, even if you wouldn't have done that in the before times. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need like these short fixes, you know, because we were living in this strange time where there was no, like time had no meaning. How many times have we said that, right? <laughs> like we didn't know what the out was. We didn't know when the end was. We didn't have any dates to look forward to. We were literally living moment to moment and we're not built to do that, let alone living in isolation, which as you said, we're not meant to do. So I agree with you. I think the book is as relevant and perfect now as probably it was before. Maybe as you do some of the exercises in the book, some of your answers would be a little different. Right. That's correct. The other thing I was really glad you addressed was being overwhelmed because I actually don't see a lot about this. You know, I hear a lot about doing it all and juggling and doing too much, but being overwhelmed is a feeling. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, you can be overwhelmed by too much work, but I know at least me, I can feel overwhelmed when I don't have too much stuff. Maybe it's just like something I'm not looking forward to that's on my list or something I've been putting off or the guilt I've been feeling about saying no to people. There's like a lot of things that make me feel overwhelmed, even if I don't have a full calendar. What are some of the tips that you offered in the book for feeling overwhelmed? Well, feeling overwhelmed was pretty much a nonstop state for me for <laughs> 10 years. So I have some experience with this. The first thing I talk about is learning to discern the difference between urgent and important. And there's a famous quote that goes something like, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, what's urgent is seldom important and what's important is seldom urgent. Mm. So it's like, what is really important to you? Think about that versus what seems, quote, urgent, which is usually who's screaming the the loudest. It's kind of like that feeling about emails. Like every time you get that little bing, 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 you feel like you have to respond to it. And so the things that end up taking up our time are not the things that are the most important. And then you feel overwhelmed because you're not getting to those things. Exactly. But if you're really just focusing on the things that are important to you, then the things that are unimportant, you just let it go. The other thing I really like to do is baby steps. And what I mean by that is I try to take little tiny steps each day. And I learned this when I was building my business, I was so overwhelmed that first year after I launched the product and it took off and I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? I was so overwhelmed by the prospect of all of a sudden having a viable business. And so what I did was I said, okay, I'm going to do one thing each day. And I'm only going to think about that one thing. I'm not going to think about how overwhelming it is to start a company. I'm just going to think about finding an accountant today. <laughs> and then the next day I would think about, okay, I'm going to call one warehouse and see if I can talk to them about storing my goods. You know, So each day I did one thing and that really helped me because when you think about a big task, it is so easy to get overwhelmed. Yes. I always tell my kids, like, if you have something that makes you anxious, like a big thing, picture your way out of it. Mm. <laughs> For me, that's like the mental visualization trick I always do. I love like, that. If I would get nervous before going on the Today Show, I would picture them shutting off the camera, all the people in the studio going, that was great, great job. Me going backstage, my dad texting me. Like I would literally talk through in my head like all the things that would happen when I was done and how good I would feel. And that always got me through it also. I love that. I'm going to try that. Oh, I'm glad I could share something <laughs> with you. You shared so many good things yes. with me. So listen, let me ask you one last question. 
You started Mom Agenda, like we said, about 15 years ago, back when we were hearing that term mompreneur or mom entrepreneur for the first time. And I recently had a little Twitter debate with another woman who I like a lot about the term. And I, I've never used that term, so I have no skin in the game. But the debate, and a few other people jumped in, was whether the term was diminishing. Like you're saying, I can be an entrepreneur despite being a mom, or I'm a lesser entrepreneur. I'm not like an entrepreneur. I'm a mom entrepreneur. Or whether it's empowering for women because maybe they found their entrepreneurship goals through motherhood or their businesses related to motherhood. So I'm kind of curious your perspective on it. Oh, well, all right. I'll just say I don't like it. Ah, I don't like it. Interesting. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay. Mom Agenda is not my first company. I ran a company before I had kids. So A, I think of myself as an entrepreneur, period. When I started my company, Mom Agenda, people would say to me, oh, I think that's so great that you did that, you know, like in a really condescending way. Oh, like how cute your little business. Oh, that's like <laughs> patting me on the head. Like, oh, what a sweet girl starting a company with kids at home. Oh. With your planners that are like in every single stationery store in the country. Right. <laughs> right. So I started thinking about it and I realized there is no such thing as a dad entrepreneur. Like no one condescends to men who start companies who also have kids. So that's why I don't like it, because I think that it is specific to moms in a way that kind of makes them smaller, in my opinion. So do you think it's because the word mom is perceived as a negative? Do you think that if a dad said, I came out with this cool company made by dads, built for dads, I'm a dad entrepreneur, that people would say to him, oh, that's so cute. I don't think they would mm. because he's a man. Now, maybe I'm getting political now. It's not political. <laughs> this is life. This is sociological. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the term mom makes it smaller. What I'm saying is I think that there isn't an equivalent for men. And I never like terms that only apply to women. Boom. And I really appreciate your perspective on this. And it's interesting because you're still referred to as a mom entrepreneur in your bio. So we might have to fix that, Nina. <laughs> I, you know, I use the term too because it's so descriptive. I just don't really like it. I know that it's kind of what I am and what I do, but I prefer to say I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business owner. Well, I'm a writer. You are. You certainly are. And you certainly are a writer. Thank you. And the book for our listeners, it's called Overcoming the Mom Life Crisis by Nina Risteri. Ditch the guilt, put yourself on the to-do list and create a life you love. It really is like a good, easy, reflective read. It's going to make you do some work, but it's really thoughtful. And I got a lot out of it. So thank you, Nina. Thank, thank you for you. me for writing it. And I hope you help a whole lot of women who are feeling maybe that they're alone in this to remind them they're not alone and that they can dig out too. So tell me where we can find you. Where on the socials do you like to chat with people most? So on social, I'm on Mom Agenda. Well, that's the corporate. And then for my author stuff, I'm on Nina.Rastiri on Instagram. And on Twitter, you're at Mom Agenda. Well, we'll link all of that up on the Cool Mom Picks podcast page so everybody can find you and find the book. It's available at Amazon or please support your local independent bookstores. They can really use your help and it's a good place to find it. So Nina, I'm so glad you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And as our guest, you get to go first. So my Cool Pick of the Week is an awesome book I just read. It's a memoir called Hollywood Park. The author is Mikkel Jolette. He is the lead singer of an indie band called The Airborne Toxic Event. And he was raised until he was about six or seven years old 
in a cult. His family escaped from the cult and things surprisingly went downhill from there. So it's about his childhood, his upbringing and how he overcame all that. I mean, the resilience of this man, I can't even think about it. I just couldn't put it down. It was such an original, interesting story. I am so glad you recommended that because he is one of my favorite friends I haven't met yet from Twitter. (laughs) He is fabulous. Anyone who's on political Twitter or follows me at Mom 101 on political Twitter will know that he and I have some back and forth. He's phenomenal. (laughs) He is so smart and sharp and funny and witty and astute and seems to like know everything about everything. Right, And that's one of the books, like next to the book stand that I've been meaning to get. So I'm really glad you recommended it. I would love to read that. Yes, put it at the top of your pile. That's my recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) I still have a pile of 35 books on both of my nightstands. So I get it. I get it. And by the way, one of the best ways to get me to read your book, come on the podcast as a guest. (laughs) I read your book so we can talk about it. (laughs) So my cool pick of the week, you know, it's May, which is crazy. And graduation is coming up. And I have an eighth grader, which means she will be graduating to high school. I know know some people are kind of weird about that term, like whether you graduate when you're in eighth grade. But there's been like a lot of cool graduation articles on Cool Mom Picks and Cool Mom Eat lately, like, you know, gifts that grads really want besides money, things like that. And there's a fantastic post that our editor Kate wrote on Cool Mom Eats about five fun graduation treats that you don't have to be a professional baker to make. Now, I am definitely not like an expert baker. I'm like the semi-homemade type who like puts, you know, googly eyes on something like a candy. And I'm I'm like, I made a craft. (laughs) (laughs) And there's such good ideas in this. Like, I'm so excited to try one of these for my daughter. Fortunately, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so she won't know. But one of the ideas, there are these graduation cap cupcakes. It's like basically flipping a little chocolate cupcake mini one upside down, putting a chocolate covered gram on top, putting an M&M on top, and then it ends up looking like a mortarboard, like a graduation cap. Oh, that's awesome. It's so cute. It's from a blog called In Katrina's Kitchen, but there's more ideas like that, and I just love it. You know, if I see a craft or kitchen craft idea that inspires me, you know it's easy. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> so anyway, thanks to Kate for writing that article. We'll link that up on our podcast page as well, and check it out for like some really cool ideas. There's like little pretzel sticks with caps on them. And there's like a lot of semi-homemade ideas too. You can just go to Michael's and get the Wilton's fondant and baking stuff. And it like, it makes you look all Instagram fancy and you didn't really have to do much at all. That's my favorite <laughs> kind of craft. <laughs> well, Nina, thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Nina Rasteri, and to our awesome engineer, John Bowen. And hey, if you've got a minute and can leave us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate your time by doing that and by subscribing to Spawn with Kristen and Liz. It helps other listeners like you find us. So just do that right now. Hit that subscribe button and boom, you'll find our very next episode as soon as it comes up next week. You can also join us in our Spawned podcast community on Facebook where we chat about the episodes and pretty much anything else you'd like to talk about. There's some like hot conversations there right now, like a lot of uh, personal stuff about kids. And I like that. I like that it's a very open, supportive community as you would expect from Spawned listeners like yourself. Well, hey, thank you so much for listening. This is Liz. Kristen will be back next week. Have a great day. Bye.